The only reason we're scared about bots is that most of what we create is so lacking in distinction, emotion, or feeling, or character, that we can't tell the difference between human-created content and bot-created content. And that's not the bot's fault, that's our fault. If you can get your job or your content or your information credibly replaced by a bot, then we should think about why is that true? Because a bot isn't brave, a bot isn't massively creative, a bot doesn't do wacky stuff, right? It's garbage in, garbage out. The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico, And I'm Kelly Lindenow. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the B2BMX Podcast. It is a busy, busy summer as we gear up for B2B SMX in Boston. It'll be here before we know it, and I am so excited to reconnect with the B2B community in August. In the meantime, we are kicking it back to the B2B Marketing Exchange in Scottsdale with one of the biggest stars of the event, Jay Bear of Convince and Convert. Yeah, we were so lucky to have Jay return to our B2B MX stage this year. Everyone simply adores him, and obviously for good reason. He's truly one of the smartest and most inspirational influencers in the B2B marketing industry that I could think of. He is just simply the best. And he's a tequila expert too, which if you know anything about me and Claudia, it is that we love our tequila. So he is our kind of man, and it's clear that he wears many hats. During his keynote titled, The Audience is the Algorithm and Bravery is the Answer, Jay brought his expertise and killer outfit on stage to challenge the audience to find the courage to make marketing the way they've always wanted to. Yeah, it was such a fun presentation with so many cool examples that truly prove that B2B doesn't have to mean boring to boring. So without further ado, let's roll that tape in three, two, one. Thanks to everybody for putting this together. Oh, so great to be back at B2BMX. I do realize that this suit looks a lot like a QR code. Uh, we'll talk more about QR cards in a second, but don't try to take a picture of the suit. Nothing will happen. Uh, it's great to be in Phoenix. I'm, I'm actually from here originally, spent many, many years in the Valley, uh, founded a terrific content strategy and content marketing firm called Convince and Convert. Uh, and spent a lot of time here and so many great clients and, and friends in the room. Here's what I've discovered about this year uh, in, in B2B. Growth at all costs, it apparently costs. Uh, it feels like some folks in B2B, especially tech, kind of got out over their skis uh, a little bit. And what we're seeing is that acquisition costs are going up. And for some of us, budgets are going down. And that's not always what we like to see in the marketing department. And then, of course, we have the big elephant in the room that the robots are coming for our jobs. We'll talk more about that in a minute as well. But I think fundamentally, all of us are faced with the same question. And it's kind of rare, actually, that all B2B marketers kind of have the exact same problem. And right now, it's can you do more with less? For the last five, seven, maybe even 10 years, our bosses have asked us, can you do more with more? Hell yeah, I absolutely can. Can you do more with less is the question for this year and probably for the short term. 
But what's interesting about B2B marketing, having been in B2B marketing now for 30 years, is that the advantages that we try to pursue, the ways that we try to outperform our competition, tends to change over time. Things work, and then everybody else catches up, and then they don't work. And then we try new things, and those work, and then they don't work. So the first era for B2B marketing was the sales advantage. What we'll do is we'll just have better, more, better trained salespeople than our competition. We can have the equally uh, effective marketing department, but if we have a better sales department, we will win. And I guess that's still kind of true, but today approximately half of all B2B customers don't ever want to talk to a salesperson. They want a completely self-serve process. So the advantage of having the best sales team tends to get muted correspondingly. So then we get into the second era of B2B advantages, which is the topical advantage. Many of you have been doing this long enough to remember those days when we said, hey, nobody ever made content about this thing. My blog about rutabaga gardening is going to kill it because there's no other rutabaga blogs. And that actually worked for a while. Like there is a first mover advantage in the area of content marketing and B2B marketing overall. But of course, now I think it's safe to say there is no topical base that has been covered. There are very, very few niches that have not been exploited, at least at some level. Yes? So now we move into the third era, the format advantage. Like, Well, look, if everybody's got a rutabaga blog, what we're going to do is we're going to have a rutabaga video channel. We're going to have a rutabaga podcast. We just figured that if we made content and information move, then that would be the secret to our success. And in fact, that actually worked for a while. If you were the one that outperformed your entire category in terms of adoption and execution of multimedia, that wasn't a bad plan. But now I think we can all agree that multimedia is the rule, not the exception. There are still some categories where most of the information is still text, where you can still kind of outflank a little bit if you're the first to do a lot of video, the first to do a lot of audio. But in a lot of categories, that ship has sailed. Which brings us to the fourth era which is the optimization advantage. Well, look, if everybody's got basically the same text content and everybody's got basically the same multimedia content, what we'll do is we'll just optimize our content better. It'll be more findable and we'll have a higher conversion rate and we'll have a better lead nurture movement. Yes, but the problem with optimization is you're not in control. LinkedIn video. For a while, LinkedIn said, video is the best thing. We want it all to be video. And every time you put a video on LinkedIn, right, Lee Odin, it would perform like crazy. And now it's the exact opposite. It is very difficult to execute LinkedIn video. They tend to suppress the views and the engagement. And this is the exact same format that they embraced just a year ago. So the problem with an optimization advantage is that the channels where the content lives decide the rules of optimization, not you. So now we get to the fifth era, the promotion advantage. Well, geez, if everybody's got blogs, everybody has video, and we can't really optimize it because all the channels make all the rules, so what we should do is we'll just put paid behind it. We're just gonna out-promote our competitors. We'll just make sure that people know that our stuff exists. 
And if we can outpromote, we will win. And in fact, the most recent research from Marketing Profs and CMW finds that 85% of B2B marketers are using paid social at some level to promote their content. That's kind of everybody. Here's the problem with that. You can't win with that forever. It's too expensive, especially in a budget cut environment. And Robert Stevens was the founder of Geek Squad, the services arm of Best Buy. Many of you may be familiar with that company. He famously said, it's one of my favorite quotes in the history of business, that advertising is a tax paid by the unremarkable. That if the only way you can get your information delivered to prospects is by putting paid spend underneath it, that's not a feature, that's a bug. So now we're in the new era, the 2023 and probably 2024 era. It is the bravery advantage. Do you have the guts to outperform your competition? The thesis is this, marketing that creates emotions outperforms marketing that doesn't. Marketing that creates emotions outperforms marketing that doesn't. All the things we care about in this room, every single metric KPI report that we run, all of it, views, downloads, engagement, conversions, leads, pipe, all of it, all of it is driven by people and feelings. All of it is driven by real people and their feelings. The data show that 91% of B2B purchases are influenced in some way by word of mouth. 91% influenced in some way by word of mouth. But the challenge with that approach is that competency doesn't create conversations. We don't talk about good. We talk about things that create emotions inside of us. I was disappointed to see this statistic in the most recent report. More than four out of five B2B marketers say that the way they differentiate versus competitors is by making better quality content. No, you don't. Because this is not a contest of quality. It's a contest of emotions. How many prospects are like, yeah, we got 125 grand to spend. We decided to spend with you guys because your paper stock is great. Nobody. We have to make people feel something. And actually, here's the secret. It doesn't matter what they feel as long as they feel. If they're shocked, great. If they feel guilty, cool. If they feel angry or wistful or happy or sad or silly or hopeful, it doesn't matter. They can all work. They just have to feel something. Because today, the only algorithm that matters is the audience. If real people feel real emotions about whatever it is that you're putting in front of them, all the other things we care about will follow behind. Search engines will like it. You'll convert better. You'll retain more customers. All the things we care about will happen if people actually care enough to feel something about our information. But doing this 
creates challenges. Feelings requires bravery. And I think it's safe to say that bravery is sometimes in short supply in B2B. B2B does not mean boring to boring. But in many of our organizations, and again, look, guys, it's not about you. It's not, this is not us. This is our boss's boss talking. Right? I mean, let's be honest. It's too risky. It's too weird. It doesn't talk about the product. Why can't we feature an actual customer? We have to find a way to be brave enough to create emotions. And we're so worried about generative AI and other AI tools taking our jobs. And we're like, ah, oh, man, these bots, they can act just like humans. That's not the problem. The opposite is the problem. The only reason we're scared about bots is that most of what we create is so lacking in distinction, emotion, or feeling, or character, that we can't tell the difference between human-created content and bot-created content. And that's not the bot's fault, that's our fault. If you can get your job or your content or your information credibly replaced by a bot, then we should think about why is that true? Because a bot isn't brave, a bot isn't massively creative, a bot doesn't do wacky stuff, right? It's garbage in, garbage out. Tactically, of course, the differences between B2B and B2C are pretty significant. We talk about that at this conference and similar events, obviously. But emotionally, it's exactly the same. Those differences are wildly overblown. And we can take a lesson from our peers in B2C marketing because I would think it's safe to say that they are, generally speaking, better at creating emotions with their content, their information, their marketing than we are. And we shouldn't allow that to be the case. It doesn't have to be the case. There's an actual program that my team at Convince and Convert and myself worked on with Terminus, one of the amazing sponsors of this organization. Here's an example of bravery. Oh, God, I didn't mean to actually press. Okay, I guess we're going to be going now. That's right. It's time to break. We did have to do the little exclamation instead of writing out the whole word because, you know, we, we could get in trouble for that. It's 2021, which means you need to go to market differently. That's right. There's no time for the rules of old. We need to break expectations, break rules, break up with your old ways of doing stuff. There's just a lot of shit you need to break, okay? Terminus is bringing you 10 speakers in three hours. Yes, that's right, three hours, because nobody has time for days-long virtual conferences anymore. It's 2021, we have to get over that. 10 marketing luminaries, 32 bestsellers among them, three hours, $10,000 to charity, one sax squatch. That is so hard to say. Sasquatch, sas, sax, squat. It's it's the big fuzzy guy who like plays the saxophone. So that guy actually was on the virtual summit in his saxophone costume or his uh, you know Yeti costume playing saxophone. Uh, the event called Break Shit. I think still, as far as I know, the the highest uh, contribution to pipe uh, ever at Terminus, and it's not an accident, right? It creates feelings. And, and these feelings are fertilized, in most cases, by surprise. You don't think of that as a typical B2B virtual event promo. 
And because it's not typical, it creates feelings. So let's do a little exercise here. Go ahead and close your eyes if you will. Close your eyes. I'm going to play a little song for you. All right, lady? Ready? Close your eyes. All right, open your eyes. Show of hands, who felt some kind of feeling or emotion about that song? No judgment, raise your hand. Okay, smattering of folks, great. All right, keep your eyes open. That band is called Here Come the Mummies. They're comprised of eight Grammy award-winning session musicians from Nashville. Because they are session musicians, they are prohibited contractually from performing in public. They are contracted to the record labels. They get around this clause by dressing entirely as mummies and, in fact, traveling the country, and they're one of the best live-performing bands you'll ever see. Now, that is a surprise, I suspect, to you. Knowing that, raise your hand if you have feelings about this organization and that song. See the difference? Feelings are created by surprise. There are five ways to win with bravery that I'm going to tell you about today. Five ways to win. The first one is to be generous and brave. This one can sometimes be hard to get approval from above because it feels like you're giving away too much. But sometimes when you give away too much, you're giving away just enough. You're giving away just enough. If you keep this in mind, that your role is to serve the customer's needs or the prospect's needs first, and then your own second, you can create some incredible breakthrough content with generosity. My friend Joe Manusa is a realtor in Tallahassee, Florida. He's a little bit of a different character, though, because he only sells houses. If you're going to buy a house, he doesn't do that. He also only sells houses in sort of the, the lower part of the market, which I think now is maybe $300,000 to $450,000, something like that. And in that segment of the market, it is common that you may not have a lot of upside equity in your home. So what happens a lot in, in the lower segment of the real estate market is people say, well, yeah, I want to sell my house, uh, and I could use a realtor, yeah. But maybe I could sell it myself. And if I do that, the for sale by owner, I don't have to pay the 5 or 6% real estate commission. I keep more money, right? Everybody with me? Well, Joe understands this, but he goes about it in a very different way. Because 99.9% .9 of all realtors create information and content that is not brave at all. They have websites that say, don't try this yourself. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't do this. I'm a, I'm a professional. I've been doing this for 30 years. Do not do this yourself. Joe, exact opposite. Sat down and wrote a 63-page downloadable PDF called How to Sell a Home on Your Own in Florida. And <laughs> good for SEO. It's literally that. It's step-by-step, step, the paperwork to fill out, who to call. I interviewed him for a book I wrote, and I said, Joe, I don't really get this, man, because it seems to me like you're giving people more than enough to not hire you. Jay, I understand why you think that, 
But what you also don't understand is that people get to page 13 approximately and they say, holy shit, is it hard to sell a home on your own? What was I thinking? It's his number one source of pipe, his number one source of revenue. Because it's not a blog post with like five bullet points about how to sell a home on your own, which ChatGPT could make in four seconds. It's 63 pages. It is manifestly generous. It's spectacularly generous. And it works. Roche, the pharmaceutical company, has a similar program called Lab Leaders. It's an unbelievable digital portal that has everything you could possibly need. Every conceivable resource about jobs, about safety, about human resources, all of it for people who work in labs. They're not trying to sell anything there. I mean, if you want to buy something, they'll sell you something. But this is not a pitch. It's the quintessential resource for that particular audience. It's generosity, bravery. Second way to do this is to be useful and brave. Several years ago, I wrote a book called Utility. The definition of utility is marketing so useful that people would actually pay for it. And it worked then, and I would argue it might work better now. Should have wrote the book now. Rollworks, another sponsor. Unbelievable program on ABM playbooks. You go to this little microsite, you answer a few questions, what's your job function, etc., and then in right there, you don't have to talk to a salesperson, you don't gotta get in a nurture sequence, just in a few seconds, like, hey, here are the ABM motions that you should pursue. Here's the playbook for you. And if you want more details, yeah, fill out this form. But they're giving away real value at the very beginning. It's not a quid pro quo, it's just quid, quid, quid pro quo. Again, sometimes that's hard to get approved because people in our organization are, well, wait a second, why wouldn't we... Why wouldn't we gate this? Why wouldn't we make them talk to a salesperson before we told them what their ABM playbook should be? Well, because that won't work. Like it used to, because everybody's doing that. It's not brave. No feelings, no emotions, no like, wow, gee whiz, I can't believe they gave that away. My friend Rory Vaden is one of the greatest personal branding strategists in the world. And he has a saying that I absolutely love. Your ideal audience is the person that you used to be. Mike Alton, there's a point in your life where you didn't know anything about virtual events, you didn't know anything about social media software, you didn't know anything about social media, and now you're a world-class expert. And the audience that we should be talking to, if we can remember that far back, is the person that we were when we didn't know any of this stuff. But to do that, you've got to be really useful. I have now decided to do this not only in marketing and customer experience and business growth, which are the categories that I speak and research and consult on, but in tequila. Some of you know that I have found myself through mysterious circumstances as the number two tequila influencer in the world now, uh, which is true. Uh, in non-celebrity division though, we gotta make sure we're clear. That's not like, it's not like The Rock and George Clooney and Jay. Amongst mortals, I'm number two. It's, that's a different group. But I started making videos 11 months ago. I said, there's a point I didn't know anything about tequila, and now I do. So what if I just try to teach people and I remember what it was like when I didn't know anything? 
Hey, it's Tequila Teacher Jay Bear, and several of you have asked me in comments or DMs about the glasses that we use for tequila tastings and reviews here on the channel. So here's the deal. Do not use a shot glass for tequila unless you're doing shots. There's not enough surface area to, to really get a good smell of it. You want a glass that's big enough to really get your nose up in there because aroma is a huge part of how we perceive a flavor. You want a glass that's slightly bulbous as it moves the aromas upwards uh, towards your schnoz. And, and you want a glass with a thinner rim so that when you sip the tequila, it actually hits more of the surface area of your tongue. For me, the more aged the tequila is, the wider I want the glass because you can get more of the subtle aroma. So my there very favorite are actually these uh, tequila tasting glasses from Sip Tequila. You can uh, find them on their website, $24 for two. Go to my bio, I have a link to them. Uh, you can also get uh, these Riedel tequila glasses. They're available on Amazon. It's uh, 20, no, 30 for the stems, uh, 27 if you wanna go with the less likely to break uh, unstemmed. Both are great. And sometimes uh, I use these slightly narrow ones. So I do four videos a week, and all I do is say, all right, what do people not know? Should you put ice in your tequila? No. Should you put your tequila in the freezer? No. I don't just tell people about tequila. I still tell people about marketing and customer experience uh, and business growth. I have a newsletter called The Bear Facts. comes out every two weeks. Many people, including my mom, say it's the best newsletter they've ever read. Uh, no, it's good. It is. It's, it, and I put a lot of time into it. So I've got book reviews, podcast reviews. Every uh, issue's got a marketing or customer experience story, typically from my own life. Hit that QR code and you can sign up for the Verifax. Uh, I think you will like it. And if not, please let me know because I always want to treasure the feedback of this community because I is you. All right. So the third way to break through with B2B marketing is to be fast and brave. To be fast and brave. The truth is this. We care about time more than ever. We care about time and how we spend it more than ever. And so do our clients and prospective clients. Part of this is the pandemic. The pandemic made us realize that tomorrow is not promised, nothing is guaranteed, and it made us remember a simple truth that I think a lot of us have neglected uh, to keep front of mind, which is that each and every one of us has only 1,440 minutes per day. We all have 1,440 minutes a day, and you can't buy more, and you can't make more. In fact, time is the only resource that we all share equally on this planet. We don't share air equally, we don't share water equally, we don't share food equally, we don't share socks equally, because everybody here's got socks apparently. Time is the only one that everybody has. Elon Musk, someone experiencing homelessness, American, Venezuelan, grandfather, grandson, saint and sinner, it's 1,440 minutes a day. And so we realized that maybe we should pay a closer attention to that. So a lot of these trends we talked about in business, quiet quitting, great resignation, leisure travel, work from home, they're all the same trend. They're all the same trend. We care about time more than ever. And so if you give your customers time, they'll give you money. And if you cost your customers time, it will cost you money. I did a new research report on this exact topic. It's called the time to win. And in that research, we found that two thirds of customers care as much about speed as they do about price. That's how important it is. We interpret speed as caring now. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. It's not judgment, it's just truth. 
we interpret speed as caring. My friend Kelly King runs a B2B agency in Indiana, where I live now, and she was doing a media buy for a client. Outdoor buy, a $25,000 run, not huge, but decent for South Central Indiana. So she contacts the three main outdoor advertising companies in our region. First company got back to her in four hours. The second company got back to her in a day. The third company got back to her in two days. Which outdoor advertising company did she choose to work with? Yeah, the first one. The first one, because we interpret speed as caring. It's a $25,000 decision. We all do this. We can't help it. We think, well, wait a second. If it takes them a long time to get back to me before they have my money, how long is it going to take once they already have my money? And here's the part that's really insidious about speed. Company two and company three, why do they think they lost? Exactly. They think they lost on price. We always think it's price. I have worked with 700 plus brands. It's almost never price. It's almost never price. Experience trumps price every time. But company two and company three, they think it's price. So the next time there's a bid, they drop their price. And they still don't get hired because they're not any faster. And then again, they drop their price again. And only on the fourth go-round, when they've given away all their profits, do they get hired because now the difference in price is so big that somebody's like, well, I'm just going to take a chance on these guys. They're slow, but it's so cheap. It happens all the time. When you're not the fastest in your category, it really hurts you from a revenue standpoint and a retention standpoint. But listen when I say this. It shows up on no reports. If you're not the fastest, it's almost always invisible. And that is a very dangerous game to play. One of the best ways to succeed with being brave and fast is by setting expectations that you can meet that create feelings. This is Zek, B2B software company that helps board of directors stay more organized. This is their contact form. We'll respond maybe faster than Usain Bolt, the famous Olympic sprinting champion. Guys, if you're going to put, we're going to respond faster than Usain Bolt on your contact form, you better have your operational house in order because you're setting an expectation that creates feelings, right? It's a surprise. You're like, whoa, what's with these guys? Courageous. Bondage does it as well. 24% increase in engagement on this campaign. Did a big research project on CX trends, but instead of what most people do where it's like, okay, here's you know, a, a tiny infographic, and then you got to download everything. It's 40 pages, and there's then you're going to get contacted by a salesperson. They just gave it all away. Just gave it all away. Barely any gate in it at all. Just gave it all away. Gated it in the back instead of in the front, which is what we all prefer as people. And so it's so fast. You don't have to, as a customer, wait to get it sent to you to your email. It's just right there. Fourth way to do this is to be empathetic and brave. Now look, when I say empathy, I don't mean the customer is always right. Anybody who tells you that the company, a customer is always right has never run a business for more than 10 minutes. It is a ridiculous statement. The customer is not always right. The customer is often crazy. I've been doing this a long time, it's just true. What empathy really means, this is the definition of empathy, the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. 
to put yourself in the shoes of your customer or your prospect, that's what empathy means. It's emotional, not tactical. Empathy is all about emotional intelligence. And part of the way to execute on this is to understand what do your prospects actually care about? It's probably not what you sell. Sorry. What you sell is a means to an end. The end is something much different, much more emotional, much more resonant. This is a DeCab, the seed company. They sell to lots of agribusinesses and, and large corporate farmers. They have an unbelievable social media program that is Farm Dog Friday. What do farmers really care about? Yeah, we care about seed, but what we really care about is farm dogs, right? Empathy, understand and share the feelings of another person. And this is really on trend, not just for B2B, but actually in the world, because one of the things that's really changed in the last three years, just in the world, is now we want our purchases to align with our preferences. When I started in marketing, we said, all right, what's the largest number of people I can reach who might conceivably be interested in this thing? But we didn't care about efficiency. We cared about reach. We cared about maximum addressable audience. And now in the ABM world, we think about ICPs. Who are the people who desperately want to be our client? And some of that means taking a stand and taking a stand on issues that are definitely not gonna be popular with some people. But if you try and play it safe, you try to boil it down the middle every time, then you don't mean anything to anybody. One third of customers today expect the brands they support to align with their personal values. One in three. Which, if you've got the courage to go down that road, is a massive opportunity. This is Eastern Bank, based in Massachusetts. I mean, you don't typically see that kind of statement from a financial institution. Now, there are people who are like, that's my bank. Don't care what it costs. Don't care what they offer. Those are my people. End of story. Here's what their CMO said, Paul. We want people to feel like they've joined a movement. We want to support issues that are important to our customers, our colleagues, and our communities. They're not going to get everybody. But they don't need everybody, and neither do you. What they're great at is making people feel something. Last way to do this is to be feisty and brave, to be weird, to be wacky, to be a little different, to be a little unusual, to just be like, wow, I didn't expect to see that from a B2B organization. This is an actual promo video that Cheetah Digital did when I keynoted one of their virtual events a couple years ago. This is my own personal favorite, literally of my whole career. What is all this clickety-clacking? What are you doing? Just signing up for Jay Bear Signals. Oh my God, that's so sweet. I'm already signed up for acquisition and enrichment, data-driven messaging, omni-channel loyalty, and personalization. I already got them all done. So what's Jay Bear talking about during his session? I have no clue, but I love this dude's plaid suits. Plaid? Really? Hmm. Didn't really take you for a plaid guy, but hmm. Who am I? I don't even know you. You're my husband. I don't even know you. All right. 
Just tight. Coming for you, Bear. Save your seat for Jay Bear's keynote session at Signals 20 and learn how to grow your business by helping, yep, yep. not selling. It's the Lee. biggest single business opportunity yeah, since electricity. On, That's no joke. Signals 20, the content series for marketing rock stars. So good. So good, right? It's a feeling. Everybody felt something. They could have done a boring promo. They chose not to. They win. Boring loses. Thank you for coming. Um, this is an unbelievable one up for an award uh, here in just a minute from Mutiny. Look, we talk about ABM all the time, right? And obviously it works. We all know why it works, right? It feels resonant and personalized, et cetera. But sometimes the execution layer gets hard, right? I don't got time to do it. Talk about putting effort in to be feisty. A series of custom wraps executed as LinkedIn videos that then tag their prospective customers blew me away. Sierra, how's it going? We wrote this song for the localized team. Yeah, started from the website, now we're here. Shout goes out to localize, no matter far or near, cause you're built for growth in every hemisphere. When different people see your site, is it immediately clear that you started with the prospect for the text? Like how I reference Barcelona as I'm speaking out to Jess, it's great to localize based on a data set. It's like translating for personas while the AI does the rest. Mutiny, we help conversion from the jump. Customized based on the visitor, we grow in every single month. Chloe, we can stamp it with something for France. And personalize the hero text with 3x Marketo champ. Now the lead's calling in like, where you at? Localize, you solve my needs, let's get this deal done fast. Open borders on the web to help you sell. If you couldn't tell, it's Mutiny and shout out to Miguel. Yeah. I love how, isn't that amazing? Clap it up, isn't that extraordinary? I, I love how they're like shouting out people on the buying committee, like, hey, Miguel! <laughs> Popping up his LinkedIn profile. Oh my God, so good, Mutiny. Oh my, the greatest. Um, all right, friends, I'm gonna wrap this up. Uh, marketing that creates emotions outperforms marketing that doesn't. We've witnessed this in this room just now. Today, the audience is the only algorithm that matters. And competency doesn't create conversations. If you're making marketing that doesn't create a feeling, ask yourself why you're doing that. Maybe you just shouldn't do that at all. Because if we know it doesn't create emotions, then we know it probably isn't gonna break through. So then is it actually producing ROI? B2B doesn't mean boring to boring. At least it doesn't have to. But creating feelings requires real bravery. Like I know this isn't easy. It requires real bravery. Five ways to do it. You can be generous and brave. You can be useful and brave. You can be fast and brave. You can be empathetic and brave. Or you can be feisty and brave. Any of them will work. All of them will work. We've seen examples of it right now. And I know you can do it too. I've been in this business a long time. It's an absolute honor to be back to B2B MX. I've been a B2B marketer for most of my life. I know how hard your job is. I know how hard you work each and every day. I know many of us are faced with an uncertain environment now that may be different than it was uh, last year or in the years prior. But I know that you can do this. And I know that many of you actually really desperately want to do this. And so I hope you can, and I know you can. We just got to put on our capes.
have to tell you, I had so much fun reliving this session because it was definitely one of my favorites from the event. It just goes to show that if people are passionate about what they create, then everyone and everything else will embrace it. Absolutely. And emphasis on the passion part, right? You got to give yourself and your team that permission to be passionate and to find the edge and tell bigger and better stories that really break through this sea of samesness that we're constantly seeing. So big shout out to Jay for always delivering greatness. And a big shout out to our listeners for tuning in today. We don't want you to miss any upcoming episodes, so make sure to subscribe to the pod on your podcast player of choice. And of course, make sure to connect with us on Twitter and LinkedIn to share your feedback and also tell us who else you want to hear from. Oh, and be sure to check out our show notes for an exclusive offer to save on a ticket to the B2B Sales and Marketing Exchange. We would love to see you there. But until then, I hope you all have a great rest of your week and we'll be back with another episode next Wednesday.